There's great power in a name. It says who we are. It's what we are known by to all those around us. And there's nothing so powerful as the name of the Lord God. In a world that often feels chaotic and fear-filled, God's name is the one to hold close. In this series on the names of God, CMC pastors will be sharing the importance and emphasis of each name and revealing how they meet the needs of our everyday circumstances and situations. Join student pastor Josh Barnett in this series on the names of God. Well, welcome to our midweek service. Uh, my name is Josh Barnett. I'm the youth pastor uh, here at the church. Uh, I'm really excited about the message tonight, um, continuing in our names of God. We've been off the last couple of weeks, um, had have a couple of breaks here with baptisms, and then off last Wednesday night because of the Christmas play, which the Christmas play was amazing. Uh, so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't get over it. It was great. Um, but we've been, we've been in this series all fall, and if you, you've missed any of them, I want to encourage you to get on our, get on our podcast, get on our app check them out. Um, you can listen to all of them. Me and uh, Tim and Paul have been doing these, and it's been a really powerful series. It's been really, really awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, but we've been studying the descriptive names of God that we find in the Old Testament, and we're actually coming to know God in a deeper way because all of these names describe different attributes about him. They describe his character, uh, his nature, things that he, is, that he is like. And so if you've missed any of those, you really, really, really got to check them out. Tonight, um, we're going to be looking in the book of Genesis. We're going to see one of the more well-known names of God, which is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, and it means the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Now, some of you that are more mature may remember Amy Grant made this song famous in the 1980s with her song, El Shaddai. And I remember my mom playing that song when I was a kid. It was a very, it was a really powerful song that Amy Grant did. And uh, she sang this song called El Shaddai, and it, it topped the Christian charts. It was a, it was a really big hit. Um, and it included, included various aspects of God, his character, and a number of his name, but focused on El Shaddai. And now El Shaddai, when you break it down, El means God, and Shaddai means almighty or sufficient one. We see El Shaddai together seven times in the Old Testament, and we see Shaddai separately 41 different times in the Old Testament. If you'll turn with me quickly in Genesis chapter 17, Genesis 17, just open your Bible and take a hard left and then open to 17. We're going to read the first couple of verses here. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. A lot of translations, they, they leave the name out, but in the New Living Translation, uh, most, a lot of them will just say God Almighty, but in New Living, I like it because it actually includes El Shaddai in here. Verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So God introduces himself to Abram here as El Shaddai, as the Almighty God. And it's interesting here that he's making a covenant with Abraham at this point. And it's, it's no small thing here that actually this covenant, it, that God is calling himself the Almighty during this covenant. And the reason being is 25 years earlier, if actually flip there, go to Genesis chapter 12. 25 years earlier, God gives, he comes to this man named Abram and gives him a plan in verses one through four. Verse one, he says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you great. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make your name famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 
75 years old. And you fast forward 25 years, and he is now 99 years old, almost 100 years old at this point in chapter 17, and he still doesn't have a child. He still doesn't have a kid. (laughs) So it's very important that God is calling himself the Almighty One because at this point you're thinking, God, you really need to come through because me and Sarah are getting kind of old. And so we're, get, we're kind of past the point of bearing children here. Um, and even in between chapter, chapters 12 and 17, you see Abraham and Abram and, and Sarai, before their names were changed, had be, they actually tried to make it work on their own. <laughs> they actually they, they tried to make the promise of God work on their own because they hadn't seen God's promise come to fruition yet. She, she still wasn't pregnant and so she tells her husband Abram to sleep with her handmaiden Hagar. And Hagar has a son named Ishmael. And we are actually still seeing consequences of them trying to force God's promise, trying to force what God had called them to do, trying to do it their own way and sinning. We're actually still seeing consequences of this sin today. We still see it today. It, basically, you can sum up the, the conflict in the Middle East. It all comes back to this right here. It all comes back to that mistake that he had made. So it's nothing good ever comes from us trying to force God's hand, trying to make the promise happen. One thing that we've got to understand is that his timing is different. His timing is always different than our timing. And actually, he's God. He is outside the dimension of time looking in. And we can't even wrap our brains around that because even, even our language, even the way that we talk always has time in it. And so it's so hard for us to die to time, to die to the clock when God gives us a promise because we, like, we want it in our time. Many times we think God is taking too long. And he never takes too long. He always does it right in his timing. But we have to trust El Shaddai. We have to trust in his timing. And we've got to know that God's never in a hurry. We live in a fast food generation we live in a microwave generation. We live in a generation where I order something on Amazon Prime. If it doesn't get here in exactly two days, I'm calling somebody. You know, we live in a generation where you pull through Chick-fil-A. We now judge every other restaurant on Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is the standard because when I get to the window, it is hot and ready. It is fresh like they just cooked it. It, it, it is their pleasure. It is their pleasure. And but we judge every restaurant based on them. And so now if McDonald's takes two minutes at the window, we are freaking out. You know, me and my wife have this conversation a lot. She's like, I cannot go to McDonald's. They take way too long. And I told Chick-fil-A spoiled you. It has spoiled you because you, you're expecting that bag right there. But that's, that's the generation we live in. We got to understand that, that God actually works in, he works in seasons. He works through generations. He works in seed time and harvest. He's never in a hurry. And you know, in, Re- in, in Revelation, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. He's been coming quickly for 2,000 years now. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> he doesn't, we, gotta, we just have to know, he doesn't see time like us. And if a 1,000 years is like a day to the Lord, we're, if we're in the last days, we're on day two. Like, it's, <laughs> things aren't, yeah, I grew up terrified that Jesus was going to come back any moment, like all through my life. Did anybody grow up like that? I, I walk in the house and I call my mom's name and she doesn't answer right away. And I'm like, mom, are you like, my sister disappears for a second. Like, oh my gosh, I never called dad's name because dad probably wouldn't go in. But I was all like, if I, <laughs> he was going to be there with me, <laughs> but I call mom's name and she doesn't answer. It's like, mom, where are you at? 
But <laughs> we just got to know God, he works on a different time schedule than we do. He, he sees things differently. And, and listen, God might make, he may make you a promise that you might not see until you're on your deathbed. He might make you a promise that actually may not even be for you. It might be for your children. And so we have got to be okay with that. The Bible is full, full of people that waited years and years and years on the Lord. Years and years on the Lord. But, but many times we are right here with Abraham and Sarah thinking that God has, is taking too long. We are thinking that God is taking too long, that God is taking too long to find me a mate, to fix my marriage, to change my kid, to find me a new job, to make my vision or my dream come about. And many times we get in this time of waiting and we feel abandoned by God. But that's, he comes in Abraham's moment here and he reminds him who he is. He reminds him that he is El Shaddai, that he is almighty, that he is the sufficient one. We've got to trust his time and we've got to trust in Corinthians that says that all of his promises are yes and amen. And I want to, I want to encourage you tonight in your waiting, don't settle for something inferior. Don't settle for an inferior call or an inferior dream. My, my single people listening to me tonight, don't settle for a mate. Don't settle. You wait for the one that God sends you. I, you would rather be lonely than be hurt. You'd rather be lonely than be hurt. Wait on the Lord. Don't sell out for less than what God has for you just because you don't see it right away. Now, I actually want to back up just a little bit here in, in, uh, in chapter 11, verse 26. I thought this was interesting as I was reading through this. Uh, ch- actually, chapter 11, verse 27 says, this, the, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died, so Haran, this is Abraham's brother, died in the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married, skip down to verse uh, 30, but, but Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. And one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his, uh, Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, this Haran's child, Abraham's brother that passed away and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed to the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years, but died while still in Haran. I think this is interesting that he loses a son named Haran and leaves to go to Canaan and settles in a land called Haran. Let me, let me break this down. I believe that Terah was actually going, I believe he was stirred by God to go to Canaan. That he was stirred by God to move to Canaan, but he stops and settles in a city that has the same name as his deceased son. I believe that he was supposed to go to Canaan, but he couldn't process his way through loss, and he never moved on from Haran. See, what I mean by this, we can't give up on the calling that God has for us because we experience loss, because we experience defeat, because we experience opposition. If we don't process our pain, our hurt correctly, then we actually won't see God correctly. We'll stop believing that he's good, and we'll stop believing in the impossible dream that he has put in our hearts to accomplish. They were going to Canaan. Why did God call them to Canaan? I think it's interesting that Canaan was a cursed land that was settled by the, descendant, the descendants of Noah's son, Ham. 
Ham was the one that Noah put a curse on his son, made them move away because he did something not good. You can go back and read about it. He did something not good, so he sends Ham away. Ham and his son Canaan go and settle this, this land. So this, this land was actually used to be a son who became a man who had a family who became a nation called Canaan. And I think God is actually, was calling Terah and Abram to go to this land and redeem the land that was actually cursed. God was calling them to redeem this land that was actually cursed. Don't give up on the dream that God is calling you to because things didn't turn out the way that you wanted. Terah may have been on the way to do what maybe Abraham was supposed to do. Or Terah was on the way to do, and he didn't do it, so Abraham had to step up and do it. Don't stop in Haran because things aren't turning out the way that you thought. If you settle for less than what God has for you, you will end up depressed. You will end up lonely. You will end up full of anxiety. You will stop. And actually what God will have to do is he will have to raise up somebody else to do what he called you to do. And that's what he does. He raises up Abraham to do what I think his father Terah was supposed to do. And we got to understand that it's not, it's not about us. It was, the, the call wasn't about Terah. It was about a generation. It was about a whole nation of people that God wanted to raise up as his. But we've got to understand that if it, there's a generation depending on us, but if we don't do it, God will raise up somebody that will. He will raise up somebody that will, and God gives the mission to Abram. God told Abram that he was going to be a father at 75 years old, and that seems impossible. That seems crazy. And now at 99 years old, he comes back in chapter 17 and says, I'm basically, I'm going to make it happen. And oftentimes in life, we face problems that we can't solve. We face things that look impossible. Abram and Sarai were in a place where they, they really they couldn't produce life. She was barren. They were older. How could God's promise be fulfilled? And we think these thoughts like, this can't happen, Lord. This, this can't happen. This is impossible. It's never going to work. And that's when we need to know that God is El Shaddai. That's when we need to know that he can create something out of nothing, that he is the one that sustains life. He will, he can, he does work things out. In chapter, back to chapter 17 in verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, God says, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I love that. So that's continuing what, what God said. He showed up on the scene as El Shaddai. Abraham falls on his face, and then he tells him, this is my covenant with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to rename you Abram to Abraham. A couple things that we see here in verses 4 and 5. The first one is that God is in the business of changing names. He is in the business of changing names. What I mean by that, he's actually in the business of changing our identity. He's actually in the business of, of causing us to be born again, making us a new person. And he always calls us out by our potential. He always calls us out by what he sees that we can do. And I, I love that he changed. Abram meant father. Abraham meant father of many nations. And it's like, okay, God, I haven't even seen one son yet, but now you're calling me the father of many nations. And so he's like, he's like, re, like, he's like making, taking this covenant to the new level. You're not just going to be a dad. You're going to be the dad of many nations. You're not just going to have one descendant. You're going to have many descendants. He actually takes Abraham outside and he says, look at the stars. Count them. That's how many descendants you are going to have. And it's incredible. He changed, and it, also in this chapter, he changes Sarai's name to Sarah, meaning it goes from princess to the mother of many nations. And so he's taking these people and he's changing their names before they even had children. 
And if you look through the Bible, he changes all kind of people's names. It's interesting. I love, so God is, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love that Jacob one there because he actually changed Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Jacob's name. Jacob was meant supplanter or deceiver, and then he changed it to Israel, which means one who wrestles with God and overcomes, one who overcomes with the Lord, basically would be a better translation there. But he changes his name to Jacob, or changes Jacob to Israel, but he never calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. After he changes his name, you always see that he calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? (laughs) Because God is still our God even when we're acting like somebody that we're not. He is still our God even when we've blown it. He is still, he's saying that we are still his. We're still his. We In our names, like we can't find our identity in our circumstances, in our jobs, and what others say, what you do, or what you've done. So listen to me. I know you've blown it. Some of us have messed up royal in here, but you don't stop and settle because of your mistakes. Don't stop and settle. Don't let divorce define you. You had an affair. You blew it big time. Don't stop and settle. Maybe you've struggled with pornography. Don't stop and settle. Maybe you've struggled with with uh, alcohol or drug use, don't stop and settle. You've gone through bankruptcy, don't stop and settle. God wants you to know this tonight, that he still has a calling on your life. He is the almighty one. He still has a call on your life. In Romans chapter 11, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They are irrevocable. And you may have blown it big time, but God still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for you. He still has a calling on your life. Don't ever stop and settle and listen to the enemy still calling you something that you're not. Still calling you something that you're not. And just a quick side note here. I love that Abram's name was changed to Abraham because Ham was the one son of Noah that didn't do good. And it's like God was also, now I'm not just going to redeem that land. I'm going to redeem that name. And I love God, the almighty, the all sufficient one. He will change everything. He will turn everything. And I just thought that was really neat. But God always calls us out by our potential. Jesus renamed Simon, which meant pedal to Peter, Petra, which means rock. Way before Peter was acting like a rock, way before Peter was mature, Jesus began to call him Peter. And that's God in his goodness calling out what he wants us to become, who he believes that we are. See, religion many times, religion wants to call us by our sin. It wants to name us by our issues. It wants to tell us that we're struggling with and we're always going to struggle with that. The the problem is, is that doesn't change anybody. That, That doesn't change anybody. God always calls us his children. You know, someone making me feel bad about my sin never changed me. It never changed me. It was when God met me in the back of a barbecue restaurant and he wrapped his arms around me and he loved me and he called me his son. That's what changed me. It was his goodness. When he told me that he had so much more for me, when he basically told me, you're acting like Jacob, but I'm going to call you Israel. I see Israel in you. He told me that even though I was acting like an illegitimate son, that he would make me a father to sons and daughters. And that was where God, I'm telling you, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was in the back of this restaurant. It was 120 degrees in this room. And I was on my face crying because the, the, for some reason, the Holy Spirit just got all over me and God wrapped his arms around me. And that was one thing that he told me is that you are going to be a father to many sons and daughters. 
but you're not going to be a father if you keep acting like this. And I've got so much more for you, Josh. He told me those things in that restaurant. In his goodness, he didn't come and shame me. He come and called me to a greater purpose. And that's what God always does. He renames us. He gives us a beloved identity. And that's what brings true transformation when he changes our name to our true identity. That's the first thing that we see in here. The next thing is that God, we got to understand that God's covenant is always bigger than us. God's covenant is always bigger than us. This covenant that God made with Abraham is an unconditional promise that God made with him, a promise that God was going to keep. Abraham could do nothing because it was an impossible situation. God was going to have to be the all-sufficient one and come and make it happen, and not the father of one child but of many nations. But he begins to tell him, basically, you're going to bless the whole world, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations so that you in turn can bless the whole world. God wants us blessed so that we can bless all of those around us. Does that make sense? He wants to bless us so that we can bless all of the people around us. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And he he wants us to bless the next generation. And that's one thing I love about Christian Ministries Church is we are all about the next generation. Right now, right behind here in the youth center, we have got a building full of kids. A building full of kids. And I'm, I have snuck in there some nights and I love watching my five-year-old and my three-year-old worship Jesus. There is nothing like it. And they're back there having a Christmas party tonight. Jason is teaching them the real meaning of Christmas, that it's not about gifts. It's not about candy. It's not about all these things. It's about Jesus coming as a baby. That, that, that's going on right now. We've got a building across the way here that's full of junior high students where my youth leaders are doing the same thing. I love that our church is all about raising up the next generation And that's what God was calling Abraham to do, that he wanted him to raise a son. He wanted him to raise Isaac. He's always calling us to bless the next generation. You know, it's crazy. Abraham, he only had one son with Isaac. He only had one son with Isaac. He had, after, after she passed away, he had a few more kids with some concubines, but there's an amazing verse there where he says he left everything to Isaac. So Isaac was like his boy. Isaac was his son. And know that some of the promises that God has for you, you're, we're going to see it in generations to come. Well, I, I'm having dreams about my sons doing ministry. I'm having dreams about following them on mission fields one day and listening to them preach the gospel one day. I'm having dreams about what they're going to accomplish. I'm, and, and I love it because I am redeeming my family's name. I'm a redeeming my family's name. And I know I'm... I, Man, I see pictures. Like, I love watch, looking at the Brooks family photo, all those families, all those kids. That is starting with me. And I am so excited. And I know that I'm going to pass long before I see what my family is going to accomplish one day. But I am so excited about what God is going to do in them. And my goal in life is, to, go, is to, to basically build as high of a ceiling as I can of a foundation. And my boys will start there. And they will build on to that. And their kids will build on to that. And we're going to see our kids of this church from generation to generation take it from glory to glory to glory. They're going to continue to build the kingdom of God. This promise to Abraham was all about the next generation. And it's interesting. God's covenants always involve kids. They always involve 
future generations. God's purposes for our lives and for our ministries go way beyond just us. He wants to bless the whole world through one family. That's what he told Abraham. I want to bless the entire world through one family. And now we are the body of Christ. We are a family. And God wants to bless the whole world through us from generation to generation to generation. And, you know, just going to switch gears here into a different point. When Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes it's hard to see, like Abraham being at 99 years old, life just isn't working. We've got to focus on El Shaddai. We have got to draw near to El Shaddai. In Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. I love that. If you dwell with him, he will dwell with you. If you dwell with him, he will dwell with you. In Genesis 17, verse 1, right after God reveals his name to Abraham, he says, walk before me, Abraham. Walk before me. Abraham, I want relationship with you, is what God is saying. I want connection with you. We, we don't do our own thing. We don't live our own way and just call on God when things are bad. We live in constant communion with him, constant connection with him, constant relationship with him. We're called to live in close fellowship to the Lord. In John fifteen five, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remember, El is the singular form of Elohim. Elohim is the name from God in Genesis 1-1, the all-powerful creator. But Shaddai comes from the root word Shad. And the root word Shad actually means breast. And this is all going to make sense here. Bear with me. Isaiah 66, verse 10 through 11 says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. So shad is actually used to signify a supply of nourishment. When a woman nurses her baby, she supplies what the baby needs to live. So the name El Shaddai represents this image of God supplying the nourishment we need to sustain life. Just like a baby can't receive nourishment from its mother without staying close, this is a picture of how God wants us to be close to him, how he wants us to be close to El Shaddai. It's this closeness with him. It's all about this knowing the Father. It's all about this intimate relationship, this proximity, this closeness to him. I love that word in Psalms 91. It's all about the secret place with him. It's all about that secret. We draw close to El Shaddai to receive his nourishment, and it's not a one-time thing. It's an on going relationship. It's supposed to be intimate with him. Ephesians 5.18 actually says to be filled with the Spirit, and the word that Paul uses there in the Greek, to be filled with the Spirit, means a continual, constant being filled over and over and over again. We need God. We need him every day. We need him as close as possible every day on our knees, in our offices, on our bedroom floors, in our cars, everywhere that we go, we are supposed to draw close to him. We need to fix our eyes, our attention, our affections on him, and then he nourishes us. He quickens our mortal bodies. He speaks to us. He gives us strength, direction, wisdom, guidance. He encourages us. He shows up with extravagant love. He fills us with joy and peace. 
And you know, through the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that is used for presence is actually, it translates kind of weird because they don't really have a word for presence. Their word is face-to-face. God wants to meet us face. That's how close he wants to be with us, face-to-face. He wants us to draw that close to him. And I, I love this connection here. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Psalm 16.11 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. See, spending time in his presence gives you joy, and joy gives you strength. Spending time in his presence gives you joy, and joy gives you strength. So are you tired? Are you stressed out? Are you worn out? Are you feeling hopeless? Are you full of fear? Are you unsure? You might need to draw near. You might need to be in his presence some. You may need to draw close to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight said, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened. All you who labor, all you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. There's one example I want to give you real quick that I ask my students all the time uh, about being on a camp high. You know, students come to a high point camp and they get real fired up, on fire for the Lord for about two weeks. (laughs) And everybody's like, well, you were on that camp high. You're on that camp. Many of you have heard that terminology that's been around for a long time that you, you were just on a camp high. You get all fired up for Jesus, feel like you're going to come back and take over the world for him. You're just so in love with him. You didn't even know you could feel this way about the Lord. And then two weeks later, it's gone. That, here is what I contend that a camp high is the way that Christians are supposed to feel all the time. That we are actually supposed to feel that way all the time. Students leaving camp feel this way because they were just at camp in his presence for a week. They were just with him for a week where their constant attention was on him. And we can actually make it a lifestyle where we focus on him all the time, where we host his presence all the time. When you're driving to work, when, even, even at our house, even with our kids, and they don't pay attention half the time, but we're reading the word and we're praying together and we're not sitting around worshiping the TV. We're, we're pressing into his presence in our home. Yeah. And many people tell me, well, like, I don't know if that's possible. Well, I mean, eight years going on, camp high right now. So I, don't, I, I feel it. But it's because I'm drawing near to him. It's because I'm pressing into his presence. We got to focus on him. He's El Shaddai. And El Shaddai, he's almighty, but he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force his presence on you. James 4 says that if you draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. He's waiting on us to make the first move. And we move towards him, and then he moves towards us. What if we showed God as much attention as we, as we showed Netflix? What if we showed God as much attention as we show our fantasy football team? What if we show God, none of these things are bad, but they can easily become idols. What if we showed God as much attention as we showed our phones? That's a big one nowadays, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to myself too. I look at my phone and I got the thing that tells me how long my screen's been on and it's it's convicting sometimes that I've, been staring, that I've been looking at this phone more than I've been seeking his face. What if we got the revelation that David had in Psalms 27? One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To seek him in his temple. What if that was our main goal in life? To seek him. To seek El Shaddai. And it, Listen, I'm I'm not saying that there's not going to be times that are hard. I'm not saying that I don't go through seasons that are difficult. James actually says it's not if trials come, it's when they come. 
And trials are going to come. Hard things are going to happen. Hard times are going to hit. There's going to be times where it feels like we draw near to him and he's not there. Sometimes it's going to feel like he's left us. Sometimes it's going to feel like he's abandoned us. Sometimes we're going to be in situations where we don't even see how it's going to work out. We feel like we're at impossible odds. Will you trust that he is El Shaddai? Will you trust that he is the all-sufficient one? Will you trust that he is the Almighty? I want you to know tonight that, that God sees you. He sees you. He sees the situation that you're in. He sees the impossible situation that you're in right now. He sees the, the odds that you're going up against. He sees that hurt. He sees the hurt in your life right now. He sees the struggle in your life right now. And he wants you to know tonight that he's El Shaddai. And I know there's impossible situations going on in here. And I know that you know God. And I know that you have a relationship with God. And I know that you love God. But you might need an encounter with the Almighty God tonight. You might need an encounter with that all-sufficient one. He is El Shaddai, our all-sufficient one who supplies everything we need. The Almighty one who supplies all of our needs. And we sometimes through these hard seasons, sometimes they're good for us because they cause us to lean into him. They cause us because we realize that we're not sufficient on our own. When I realize my insufficiency, then I become dependent on the sufficient one. I real, when I realize my insufficiency, I become dependent on the sufficient one. He is the Almighty. He is the Almighty in that he is more, more than sufficient to meet all my needs. He is more than sufficient to meet all my needs. Now, we all have inadequate resources. We all wish we had more money. We all wish we had more land. We all wish we had more time. We all wish we had more whatever. We all wish we had more of it. God's got it. He can meet your needs and above and beyond. I believe that God actually wants to bless his children's socks off. I believe that he does. I believe he does. And I'm not, and I'm not necessarily saying that means m material wealth. Although I think that, that can be part of it, for sure. I, God, I'm, come on. That can be part of it. But God, God wants to bless us. He wants us to know that he's not going to let his children go hungry. He's not let his, he's not let his children go hungry. He's, he's got us. As I, as I end tonight, I love in Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abram that he is going to make him famous. He tells Abram that he's going to make him famous. If you flip over back one chapter in chapter 11, it's the Tower of Babel. And it's a lot of people getting in trouble because they're trying to make themselves famous. <laughs> It's God scattering a bunch of people because he's trying to make themselves famous. In chapter 11, they were trying to become famous by what they built. In chapter 12, he's telling Abram, I'm going to make you famous because you know El Shaddai. Chapter 11, it's what they built. Chapter 12, it's who he knows. It's who he knows. El Shaddai, because of who they know, it's all about knowing God. I love in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when Peter and John are before the council that crucified Jesus they said these are uneducated, unlearned men, but they could tell they had been with Jesus. Can people tell that we have been with Jesus? Can people tell that we have been with Jesus? I will make your name great, and all the families of the earth will be blessed by you. We are blessed by him by keeping our, our priority devotion to him. Our priority is closeness to him. Our priority is hosting his presence all the time, everywhere that we go. Our priority is blessing. When it is devotion to him, we'll actually bless all of those around us. 
You know, his, when, when we walk in that, when we're actually an image bearer of him because we've been spending time with him, it actually, his goodness draws people to us. His goodness draws people into the kingdom when they see the goodness that he shows us. You know, many times growing up, I, I would think, man, I wish I had their dad. Or I wish I was a part of their family. What they have looks amazing. What their dad does for them is awesome. What their family dynamic alike is incredible. I wish I had that. I think that that people should say the same thing about Christians. I wish I had their God. I wish I had their God. And so we've got to check ourselves and make sure that we're drawing in and we're getting that joy that he has for us so that we can actually share that good news. We've got a good news to share, but many times our face doesn't show it. Many times the way that we talk doesn't share the good news. Many times we're, we're, Christians can be angry or judgmental or prideful when we're supposed to show his love and grace and mercy everywhere that we go. The good news for the world is that they can have this dad. The good news for the world is that they can have this father, that they can have this family, that they can have a new family, that they don't have to be poor anymore, they don't have to be sick anymore, they don't have to be depressed anymore, they don't have to be stressed out anymore, you don't have to be full of worry or anxiety or fear anymore. You can actually have freedom. You can have righteousness, peace, joy, and love in the Holy Ghost. You can have the kingdom of God in your life. We have a God who is El Shaddai who longs to pull us close, just like a mom longs to pull her children close to her. He longs to supply all of our needs. He is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty, the All-Sufficient One. Did y'all get something out of this tonight? Let me pray for you. If you want to stand with me real quick, I'm going to pray over our week. Lord, we're so grateful to you that you are the Almighty One, that you are the all-sufficient One. God, in our insufficiency, you are all-sufficient. Lord, teach us to be patient and wait on your timing in the waiting that we would draw close to you and that we would continue to trust in you, that we would continue to put our faith in that all of your promises are yes and amen. Lord, go before us this week. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. Fill us with your presence so that we might represent you to the world, to our families, to our co-workers, to our employees, to everyone that we come in contact with, God, that we would represent you well. Lord, we thank you so much that you are El Shaddai. We worship you. We honor you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us each week for the CMC Podcast. CMC has so much to offer. We host summer camps for all ages, a Christian school, K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you. 